your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hunt. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. You can follow my co-host, Cammie. Hit Cammie and G. Just want to remind you of this episode of the Locked On Longhorns podcast brought to you, our friends, over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get $10 off your first purchase, and I definitely recommend you get one of their variety boxes 18 different flavors you get one of every one of them the 12 the 12 you know the six new you gotta check it out billbar.com is promo code locked on all right came this thursday on this bye week which uh let me just tell you right now i'm kind of i'm perturbed about it that's that's the term I'm use. <laughs> wow so i haven't you use that term yeah we waited months i mean we've been sitting there since march going come on football season right Mm -hmm. and then so there's this it's gonna play they're not gonna play they are gonna play there's gonna be fans there's not gonna be fans you know we went through this whole thing football gets here we have a game sam ellinger joshua moore first play of the game texas is taking off they win 50 by 56 points and then it's a bye week. Second. I know. It's like it built us up, I guess, so much optimism and excitement. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, uh, twiddling our thumbs. Now what? The next week. But um, I understand why. And we'll get into this in a second. They have these, I guess, uh, bye weeks. You need the flexibility in terms of the COVID issues and things like that going on. So I understand it, but it's not as fun for fans. And unfortunately, there'll be a few of them. Right. There, there's going to be a few. You know, Texas plays a game. They have a bye week. They play three. They have a bye week. I mean, obviously, it worked out well for schools like Baylor and Oklahoma State, which we'll talk about later, uh, about, you know, the bye week is helping them because they pushed their games back or they scheduled new games. Uh, but let's talk about the return. The return of the Big Ten. Oh, uh, my God. Where do you even start with this, I guess, chaos? It, it, and that it is. That it is. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the fact is, you know, we heard about how great the Big Ten was because they decided to put the the lives of these kids' lives in, in their hands and they were going to cancel football and they were applauded for it. And then they were looking around seeing out South Alabama play, Texas State play, you know, these smaller schools playing and they're like, well, why are we not? Exactly. Uh, Now they're back and now all eyes are on the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's kind of odd how we haven't uh, heard too much about the Pac-12, but in terms of the big 10, we've said this many a times, they've just completely botched how they've handled all of this. And I I felt like they wanted to be, and I even saw this on Twitter today, they wanted to kind of be trendsetters until uh, they realized no one was necessarily following, (laughs) following them. But I I still feel like the return is set up for failure because like I was mentioning, they don't have a built-in bye week, which I think is crucial uh, during COVID. Um, If a player does come down with a positive test for COVID, for example, they have a 21 day suspension. That's necessarily three games. So I don't know. It just, it doesn't sit well with me, I guess, on how they've handled this. Yeah. I think you're talking about the, tweet from Barrett Sally, Solly, I don't know how you say it, CBS Sports, uh, when he was talking about the the trend setting. And, and you know, and I don't think – I think that they were trend setting in a, in a way because the Big Ten, the Pac-12, both, you know, decided to punt on the season for spring. Um, and then, obviously, what I think it's funny, if you go back and listen to Urban Meyer, he actually said 
that he didn't think a spring season was going to work. And well, now, you know, it's not going to, because now they're going to play. And I I thought it was interesting because now some of the players who had opted out are now opting back in. Yeah. That that was always going to be an interesting case for me. I, 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 obviously it's an unusual um, situation that you have. This is obviously a a new playing field for everyone. And I thought it would be kind of silly if they weren't allowed to to be able to opt back in. So I'm not surprised at all, unless you truly are just maybe worried about getting injured or something along those lines. And you're already basically a lock for a top 10 pick. I can understand opting out, but other than that, I think everyone needs to play. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. You brought up the no bye weeks, uh, which is interesting because I, I mean, that's, that's a straight up ploy to get, a Big Ten team into the college football playoff. Uh, I agree. The, yeah, I agree. The eight games. And now the path to the college football playoffs now gets more difficult for the University of Texas. Yes, we have a Texas tie-in here. This isn't the Locked On Big Ten podcast. So, but <laughs> it's interesting. We wanted to talk about that because it does affect Texas. Now, oh, yeah. I think it, it affects them in a way in that now I think it's more difficult for a Big 12 to get two teams in. That's the only way I see it more difficult. I don't think it's more difficult in that whoever wins the Big 12 is going to be in the in the playoff. I, I think that we can all agree on that. Um, when you look at, could there be two SEC teams? Yes, there could. Uh, ACC could have two if, if you throw Notre Dame in there. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, but I think with now the Big 10 coming in, I, I think it's going to be a team from each conference is the way I look at it. unless they beat each other up and because I think mm-hmm. especially playing a shorter schedule uh, I think a loss is going to be devastating to a team like Ohio State if they are to lose to a game lose a game uh, in their eight games that they're going to be playing like like how can you justify putting them in over let's just let's just say for instance you have one big team big 12 team go 10 and0 and the other one is nine and one. They play in the playoff. Now they're both 10 and one. Right. How do you justify putting in those two teams or justify putting in a, a, a team that has, let's just say a seven and one record in the big 10. Now these yeah. are the questions that they're going to have to have. I'm not trying to make a case that one's better than the other, but those are the difficult decisions that the committee's going to have to make. Yeah. And I agree with you. I don't, I think it was kind of unrealistic from the get go for the big 12 to have two teams in the college football playoff, even if the big 10 didn't return. I'm really worried the big 12, like you mentioned, is going to beat up on each other. I think if there's a conference that's going to do that, it's likely going to be uh, the big 12 with Oklahoma state, Oklahoma and Texas. I'm hoping um, a situation doesn't happen where they all kind of take turns beating each other, but you never know with this conference. And then, um, yeah, I, I do still feel very confident that whoever wins the big 12 will likely, uh, at least represent the big 12 in the college football playoff. Um, hopefully it's Texas. It, it could be Oklahoma state. It could be Oklahoma. Like we mentioned, Spencer Rattler obviously looked uh, pretty solid in his debut. So I think we can kind of take the question marks surrounding him out of the uh, scenario now. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to me, it didn't make the path to get to the college football playoff harder. What it did was make that actual college football playoff tougher. So I just think that the the quality level and obviously the competition is much higher now. Yeah. I mean, I will agree with you that I don't think that it was reasonable to think uh, the two big 12 teams, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. You know, like I said, if you had a 10 and one team or, 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 you know, 
two 10 and one teams, let's say in that scenario it could happen. Uh, but you know, it, now it's going to be a more intriguing thing to watch and more fun thing to watch with the college football committee as they prepare to put out their rankings later on in the season. Speaking of rankings, USA Today put out their updated re-rank of the top teams in college football. Uh, Texas drops uh, in the polls two spots, and now they're at number 10. They were at number eight. They added in Ohio State at number two and Penn State at number seven. Yeah, I'm I'm not too shocked by that. I still actually think 10 is pretty high, and I think that's a reasonable uh, position for Texas right now. Obviously, they um, haven't even gotten to play uh, anyone yet, uh, not to be <laughs> mean towards UTEP, but they haven't even started conference play. I think we'll, uh, in a couple more weeks, I think we'll be able to truly see what Texas is capable of. Yeah, I mean, obviously, right off the bat, you have Texas Tech uh, home game uh, the following week, October 3rd against TCU. A lot of questions surrounding that football team right now who we haven't seen and, and uh, probably won't see until September 26th. Uh, th- and then you have the Oklahoma game October 10th at the Cotton Bowl. I think that's going to be their big test, obviously. That's the one everybody's watching for. Uh, but, yeah, Texas number 10, so we're in the top 9% of all college football. There's 90 football teams uh, in FBS, and, and Texas is is in that top 9, top 10%. So um, that that's – that's still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're in um, the, I guess it's providing a lot of optimism and I think it's a realistic um, place for them to be right now. It's, it's hard to, I guess, believe that uh, they'll stay in that spot just because of previous seasons. Texas always seems to be ranked pretty high when they begin the season and then slowly uh, derail their season after that. So we'll see if they can uh, hold up that ranking for a bit. Yeah, we'll see how the ranking goes from week to week as we keep you updated on that. That ranking was from uh, Bill Meyerberg of USA Today Sports. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback situation. Iowa State, Oklahoma, who's got the best quarterback in the Big 12? But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. You heard me say at the top of the show, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. $10 off. Uh, you need this energy, Cami. I know that you try to work out every day. I try to at least walk or, or, or do something productive where I'm not sitting down in front of a computer or watching games or things of that nature. You got to get out. You got to get your energy level up. But if you need some a little bit of help, I recommend Built Bar. I mean, you're talking about less carbs, less sugar, more protein. 100% chocolate. It's fantastic. I like the peanut butter brownie. I like the new cheesecake flavor. It's all fantastic and definitely something you got to try. I know Cami loves them. I love them. Uh, you know, I preach about them to everybody. I talk to everybody about it. So why don't you go on over BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You're getting $10 off your first box. I recommend for the first time getting that variety box. It's fantastic. You're going to love it. Check out the peanut butter brownie. The mint brownie. I mean, it's I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it. I'm about to go grab me one. Uh billbar.com, use the promo code locked on. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how Sam Ellinger had this big game. I mean, we've talked about it throughout the week. Uh obviously 426 yards, five touchdowns. Uh one thing that we knew that they were going to start talking about is Sam Ellinger Heisman, the Heisman campaign, off to a good start. I mean, I know it was just UTEP, but you can't fault the guy for beating the teams that you're supposed to beat. 
Yeah, and we've always kind of viewed Sam Allinger as a Heisman contender this season, but um, I guess it was notable that so ESPN basically releases their uh, top Heisman candidates throughout the season, and um, I think there's about like 14 of them that actually vote on this, and Sam Allinger is actually number three on their list. Um, but it's notable that Spencer Rattler was uh, number two, so just ahead of him. But it seemed like a three-way race because there was a major drop-off from Sam Ellinger in the number four through seven spots in terms of the overall points. But uh, Sam Ellinger, Spencer Rattler, and Trevor Lawrence were obviously the top three for now. But now that the Big Ten's joining in and the schedule's going to get a little bit harder, that could probably uh, change as the season goes on. But Sam Ellinger definitely has to be within, I would say, everyone's top four or so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's right. But I, I again, I, I talk about the hypocrisy of the Heisman thing with uh, them, I guess, kind of lifting up Spencer Rattler for what he did against Missouri State. But then other people are, are you know, bashing Elling, Ellinger for what he did. I'm like, well, at least he played FBS. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I know they we both knew that going into this game that both teams were going to blow him out. Right. We knew it was going to happen. I mean, and that's what you expect to happen. Uh, and they both only played a half, really. So, you know, they, they had these monster games. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, did you have Iowa State's Brock Purdy in that top seven? I didn't hear his name. Uh, he wasn't – I don't even think he was mentioned in the honorable mentions that they had at the bottom of the article. So, no. Of course he wasn't because he had one of the worst games of, of the weekend uh, in that loss to uh, Louisiana Lafayette, which – you listen to me on the Locked On College Football Podcast, I told you take ULL in that game. Uh, Brock Purdy did not look good at all. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, and I wanted to bring that up, only because I'm searching the internet last night, Cam. You got the text message from me. So oh, I come across God. It stopped me in my tracks. Uh, I got this. I found this post last night uh, from the SB Nation Iowa State uh, website, in which they wrote, mm-hmm. Their power rankings for the quarterbacks. After the first Saturday of play, when I'm ready to amend the Big 12 quarterback rankings, Sam Ellinger moves from second to third. Spencer Rattler jumps up. Brock Purdy stays at the top. I'm still mourning the lack of Texas LSU game that should have happened. All right, well, first of all, Iowa State, SB Nation, you're full of crap. (laughs) Uh, Brock Purdy is not even the top to me he's not even a top four quarterback he might be in the Big 12 right now if I had a power rank him based on what happened yeah he's not even I I put some quarterbacks you hadn't even played yet over him I mean don't get me wrong I had when I power ranked these quarterbacks before the season I had him as my number Mm -hmm. two quarterback I expected a lot out of him but after watching that game that was horrendous yeah, I think I would look at Sam and Spencer as a top two, and then you could maybe even make a case for Spencer Sanders or um, maybe even Charlie Brewer ahead of Purdy now. But, yeah, that, that's interesting. I think that was the biggest uh, shock to the Big 12 Conference in terms of the first week of play. It was Purdy's uh, awful, awful game, you could say. Uh, awful was putting it lightly. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I want to go back and talk about Sam Ellinger. Uh, so the Sam Ellinger uh, performance, I should say, uh, we talked a lot about, you know, how he did in that game. Uh, but I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting. So I was looking at some of the statistics from the game. Got to get a better idea of what Sam Ellinger did. And this is without the benefit of play action. 
Tim Ellinger was mm-hmm. 19 for 23, 309 yards, four touchdowns, 13.4 yards per attempt. Oh, yeah. And if you get uh, if you graded him on an NFL passer rating, he had a perfect 158.3. Holy cow. That's yeah, I mean, my- I don't, I don't, I obviously everyone's saying he had that record setting first half, things like that, but I don't think people understand just how good he was. Yeah, and we've talked about the reason why, you know, we saw this this elevation in this game. Because, I mean, I think in years past, we, we've known Ellinger can throw the ball around a little bit. We saw it against LSU last year. He set a career high of 401 passing yards in that game. Uh, so so we knew that Ellinger could do it, right, uh, especially with the weapons that he had around him. But then when, when he came out and they attacked through the air the way that they did, you know, maybe they didn't throw the ball down the field as much as people thought they might. But, you know, it, it, you know maybe that was Mike Yurcich being a little vanilla in the first game, didn't want to show too much, uh, especially before they play Texas Tech, you know, next Saturday. Uh, but you had to take what he did and see that elevated level of play from him uh, and get you excited. Yes, I know. Tap the brakes. It was just you. Tap whatever. But the fact is, the matter of he was making those throws, and that's why people should be excited about Sam Ellinger this season. Yeah, and I think people's biggest uh, knock on Ellinger is his ball placement or his accuracy in the air and things like that. And I think he showcased that pretty well against UTEP. And he seems to improve in those areas uh, as each year uh, goes on. And obviously, his stat lines. Um, nearly in every single, uh, I guess, part of his play that you can look at. And, he, and we've mentioned several times that he looks a little bit more toned, uh, not as big and bulky as he did last year. So I'm hoping they don't have to rely on him as much in the run game and he can kind of uh, become that true quarterback for Texas. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But so far, so good. So far, so good. Tammy, power rank your top five quarterbacks in the Big 12. We're going to do this right here, right now. Oh, OK. Uh, I'll go Sam one Spencer Atler two um I'm actually going to I used to have Purdy at three so I'm actually going to put Spencer Sandler Sanders at three now and Purdy at four um and then maybe Charlie Brewer at five all right I'm going Sam Rattler Sanders Brewer Purdy okay so we just have the we just have the four and five swapped uh and like I said the reason I say that is I want to see what Purdy can do Next time he gets on the football field, if it's the same, I mean, the, the big thing with, with Iowa state uh, is that they play above their means. Um, They don't recruit as well as some of the other schools, you know, so they have to be better coached. Um, I looked at that when I watched that game, I kind of felt like that team quit towards the end. Um, So I need to see if they come out with a little more fight, but uh, I think Charlie Brewer is a very good quarterback. Uh, and obviously, we're going to see him this weekend as as Baylor gets ready for their game. Uh, but yeah, I, and I know people are going to say, "Oh, it's a Longhorn podcast." Of course, I got Sam Ellinger on top, but he was my number one quarterback going into the season, and he didn't do anything on Saturday night to prove otherwise. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I like I mentioned, I still think Purdy is your typical pro style and would probably be a decent um, draft prospect heading out um, of the 2020 season but I don't know yeah he would have to have a huge comeback game and obviously perform pretty well against top competition in the conference and I'm talking Texas Oklahoma Oklahoma State otherwise his draft stock is about to plummet 
Yeah, it could. It very well could. All right, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on tonight with Thursday night football and some of the Longhorns in the NFL. All right, Cammy, tonight, Thursday night football, we got Cincinnati Bengals, we got Cleveland Browns, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield. We got a little Texas versus OU tonight. The center for the Bengals, Trey Hopkins. And then obviously you got Baker Mayfield over there on the other side. So we get we do get some Red River rivalry tonight. Yeah, and I'm actually excited to watch this game. It doesn't, I guess, when you talk from a sense of the Bengals versus the Browns on Thursday night football. It's not that attractive of a matchup, but I'm excited to watch these two quarterbacks go after each other. Obviously Baker's been struggling. He's an OU guy. He's um, still fairly young in the league. And then you have the number one overall draft pick, um, Joe Burrow from LSU coming in. It's his first primetime game. So I'm excited to watch them uh, go after each other. But um, for fantasy purposes, I'm also excited as well because I have both the running backs playing tonight. So I'll definitely be tuning in. I'll be tuning in. Uh, I got AJ Green on my okay. team. So, you know, obviously I'm going to tune in. I want to see how he does. I don't have anybody on the Browns team, obviously, because I don't trust Baker Mayfield. Uh, I thought it was funny because Shereen Williams, who covers the NFL for Pro Football Talk, uh, NBC, she tweeted out that uh, Baker Mayfield has more commercials than he does career wins in the NFL, which she's not wrong. That, yeah. Man, I'm curious. I mean, that's one of the biggest busts. And it's it's kind of odd to me because Kyler actually worked out um, when he came out of OU um, as a top draft pick. But for some reason, Baker just hasn't been able to uh, be consistent and really get it together. So I'm curious to see what Cleveland does with him in terms of the long-term future. Yeah, you know, and, and here's what I want to say, and this is not to defend Baker, uh, but how many top quarterbacks have gone to Cleveland and fell on their face? Yeah, that's true, actually. So there's I, I, not I a much success rate there. They don't. They don't at all. You know, they'll, you know, they'll occasionally they'll, they'll win some games. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's a whole lot of nothing out of them. And, and so it makes you wonder what's what's going on in Cleveland that uh, these these guys don't work out. And it's going to be interesting. Obviously, like you said, Joe Burrow, uh, his first opportunity to play in a primetime game. It's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, last week. Uh, former Longhorn Trey Hopkins sprung Joe Burrow. Uh, he led the way for Joe Burrow's first career rushing touchdown. So, you know, maybe uh, having a Longhorn leading the way for the uh, former LSU Tiger is not a bad thing to have. Uh, I'm still so sad we didn't get to witness that uh, matchup this year. But another thing I was, I, or I guess the most pleasant surprise of the NFL season in terms of former Texas players to me has been running back Malcolm Brown with the Rams. I'm not sure if you've been watching him too much, or I guess you did since they since they beat the Cowboys, which I won't yeah, get into. But I thought that was I thought Brown was going to kind of fill in in a temporary role, but obviously he's looked well enough to um, kind of make them use him more often and kind of a running back by committee approach. So I think that's a guy we weren't necessarily uh, looking at um, in terms of former Texas players that were going to make an immediate impact like that. But um, I'm very happy for him. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he, he he went out. I mean, didn't have like 100 yards rushing or anything, but, you know, 18 carries, 79 yards, but he had two touchdowns in the game. Uh, you know, uh, USA Today Sports put out some fantasy advice for this week, and they were saying get Malcolm Brown. Um, you know, obviously they're going to do running back by committee, but knowing that team, Sean McVay and everything that they're doing, they're going to feed the hot hand. So you got to make sure to get the get the ball 
into Brown's hand, allow them to run the football, and that's really going to alleviate the pressure off Jared Goff and, and help that Rams football team. Uh, but you're right. You know, not a guy that we sat here and said, hey, keep your eye on Malcolm Brown. I mean, we talked about him a little bit, but we knew it was going to be running back committee. I just didn't know that he would be the hot hand uh, in that game against the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, I know. And uh, I don't know, because there's so many former Longhorns that are succeeding, I guess, in the NFL right now. And uh, we've primarily been touching on the rookies in the NFL, specifically Malcolm Roach, who is an undrafted uh, free agent who made Brandon some big plays. Against, yeah, who, who made some big plays against uh, Tampa Bay. So I thought that was probably one of the mm-hmm. uh, biggest surprises. And I, I would actually probably put Roach as the biggest surprise for me this season. And then um, in forms of for, in terms of former Texas players, but Malcolm Brown is a close second. Uh, the other Malcolm Brown was more of a dud this weekend. Uh, <laughs> didn't didn't have a tackle, but you know, like I said, Malcolm Roach did have two in that game. Uh, I, I don't know what's what's going on ever since he's you know he's left New England. It just it doesn't seem like he's been the same player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that that was kind of interesting. But obviously, we talked about uh, Brandon Jones, who was one of five players to record double digit tackles in his debut since 2016. Uh, for that Dolphins defense against the Patriots. Uh, then you had uh, Devin DuVernay had one catch. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting because uh, Devin DuVernay is coming back to his home state of Texas. Uh, on Sunday, he will be playing in Houston against the Texans. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see if if he's able to get the ball rolling and, and uh, really get after that Houston secondary. Uh, who's who's reeling from a loss against the champions on the opening night of football last Thursday night. Uh, and then you had Colin Johnson who had one catch as well. So it'd be nice to see those guys kind of get going. Uh, so as far as this weekend, uh, we'll probably get into it more tomorrow's show, but I, I was going to ask you, what are you looking forward to this weekend of, if, of football? I mean, NFL games, college football games. What are you looking mm-hmm. forward to? There's a couple things I'm probably uh, most excited to see or looking forward to. I want to see in terms of the NFL, I actually want to see the Cowboys bounce back from that week one loss. Um, I thought they got pretty unlucky in that meeting. But in terms of college, I'm really ready to see the teams we just haven't seen yet, primarily Oklahoma State. Um, I'll be keeping close tabs on that game, seeing how that powerful offense looks coming out of the gate. And then, of course, you got uh, Baylor um as well there's some question marks around I guess two of the teams in the Big 12 that have the most question marks to me are Baylor and TCU so I'm excited to see uh what they look like as well so uh, that's probably what I'm looking forward to or we'll keep an eye on what about you Uh, I'm looking forward to watching the Houston Cougars beat the Baylor Bears (laughs) on Saturday uh I believe the line on the game is plus four and a half or minus four and a half for Baylor I'm going to take Houston in the points now and plus four and a half on that game uh, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, the Cowboys, uh, how, how are they going to address some of their issues that they're having? Uh, but I do want to point out, Connor Williams did look pretty good going up against Aaron Donald. Uh, he could have very easily been overmatched. I mean, Donald got him a couple times. Don't get me wrong, but I thought that Connor Williams looked much better than anticipated coming off that torn ACL. Yeah, and I'm looking forward because obviously Dallas was kind of decimated by injuries throughout that first week. Um, I know Leighton Vander Esch and obviously Blake Jarwin and things like that are out for a while. Sean Lee, I think, even just got uh, well. Did he go to I- IR? He, he's I been he on IR. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah what the was sp- the news coming out recently? Sports, sports hernia. So something okay, that we yeah. knew about with um, 
Jordan Whittington. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, anyway, so, yeah, there, I mean that, I guess the outcome of that game couldn't have possibly been worse for Dallas. So, I mean, injuries, bad calls, it was just um, a little bit of everything there. So I'm hoping they can bounce back this weekend. We are definitely hoping they're going to bounce back. And obviously we will be back tomorrow for to get you all set for the weekend. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the NFL game that's going to happen tonight. Who's going to win the uh, NFL version of the Red River rivalry up there in uh, the great state of Ohio. Uh, also, make sure you check out Locked On College Football tomorrow morning. Myself, Ben Stevens, we're going to get you ready for this weekend's games. you got all your game picks plus your lock of the week. If you listened to me last week, my lock of the week, I said take Georgia's, Georgia Tech straight up against Florida State and they won Make sure you check out the new episode to find out what's the lock of the week this week. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. But for Cammie, I'm Patrick. As always, keep it locked on. Hook em.